think I did it again I made you believe We're more than just friends Oh baby, it might seem like the crush But it doesn't mean that I'm serious Cause to Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Well, we're out of the Champions League. Our little Portuguese dream is over, and uh, here to talk about it uh, with me, I have two of the usual. First one we've got is Prestwich Blue, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Mm, well, yeah, I mean, United's result brightened up the weekend a little bit, but it was a difficult result to take, wasn't it? But, you know, it's only a football match. Worst things happen. Mm-hmm. We also have with us uh, Ray from City Fan TV. Ray, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, we've been here before. I-, I was talking to you guys off air, and I said we could pull up the pod we did after the Spurs game, and half the stuff would still be true. Uh, I can still remember Colin talking about Pep overthinking things, especially in the first leg. Uh, mistakes that players would never make in a league game. Uh, world-class players making uh, you know, Sunday league mistakes, um, and yeah, and, and France not being a farmers league anymore. But uh, apart apart from that, uh, it, it's been a tough. It has been a tough, uh, very tough twenty four hours. But we can see some light at the end of the tunnel. And United's uh, defeat to uh, uh, oh, Jesus Navas cross um, as their defence went uh, wandering uh, has probably put a, a little uh, gloss on the, what's been a tough weekend. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. Well, guys, I, I, let's get into it. Probably not something that we're all looking forward to, but I think the the stage will set really with the with the lineup. Now, going into this game, Leon were eleven to one outsiders, and uh, and uh, of course, as we always do, we're hanging around on Twitter before we um, we watch the game, and uh, we're waiting for the uh, the starting uh, lineup. And here it is. Here it was, guys. Ederson, Walker, Eric Garcia, uh, Laporte, Cancelo, Fernandinho, Gundogan. Uh, Rodri De Bruyne, Gabi Jesus, and uh, Sterling. Yeah, Colin, I think when we saw the lineup, it kind of gave you a little bit of a sense of what might happen. How did you react when you saw that lineup? First reaction was, what the hell is it? You know, was Fernandinho going to be playing the false nine role? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or, or Gundogan, or who, who what? But when you looked at it kind of rationally, there was only one player different from that the team that started the second leg against Real Madrid. Well, that was Garcia in for Foden. But of course, you know, when you did look at the lineup and you thought it through, it was clearly going to was clearly going to play a three-five-two, a five-three-two, whatever you want to call it, which matched Leon's lineup. We know because we said on the last pod, Leon gave us a hell of a lot of problems in last season's Champions League. A lot of City fans were saying the same thing, and and, and really it was borne out by the game that well, Bayern Munich won't change their lineup to a three-five-two. On uh, Wednesday, no. Would any great would Real Madrid have changed their lineup? And, and and you know it's the same thing time and time again. Or is Pep overthinking this? Is he showing too much respect? Is he giving too much away to the opposition? You know, so by stopping them playing, 
is he stopping us playing as well? And I'm sure we'll talk about that as we go through. But that, I think most City fans saw that lineup and had a bit of a sinking feeling, to be honest. And um, Ray, what did you think? Did you get that sinking feeling? No, I, I didn't get the sinking feeling. I didn't mind. In, in hindsight, it makes me look like an ass. But I didn't mind that lineup. I wanted. I didn't have an issue with a three-five-two. Okay, we've, we've changed a little. We changed it up to to match them. I, I understand that. I would have liked Maris to start um, uh, on the right rather than Forden. I'd actually pick the same team with Maris instead of Forden. I just wanted Maris as Gale. I thought that's what we would need. I didn't have a massive issue. You know, you look back and you think, well, you know, we've not got a lot of pace at the back with Garcia, Fernandinho and Laporte. So Laporte was skinned very early on and he was just clutching at the player. And in front of them, we've got Gundogan and Rodri. So there's not bags and bags of pace, which... Is a concern. It depended how we started. I, I wanted KDB in a central role and, and to have two strikers. I thought Pep might go with that with the, uh, with the three-five-two lineup, but he, you know, he, he fiddled it around. KDB was out right, which I didn't like. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do a lot of sound bites in, in this pod. I think Guardiola invents problems for Guardiola. You look, you look back and you think yeah, he did overthink it a, a little bit. But as I said, you know, when that team, when that lineup came out, I thought, okay. It's still good enough. In my opinion, it was it was still good enough um, to win that game. Yeah, Colin, and I, gu- I guess some people were um, giving it the sort of the Carlo Ancelotti raised eyebrow when they saw uh, Eric Garcia in there. Do you reckon him? Um, do you reckon after that disastrous performance by Barcelona, he was um, rethinking his stance on the? Um, well, that's what a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> that's what a lot of people were saying on social media. And I put a tweet out. You know, imagine in a phone call. You know. Uh, uh, hola, Senor Seriano. Um, can you send me that new contract, please? I've changed my mind. I was only joking. <laughs> but it was, you know, if, if you're putting out three at the back, you, you know, we've got obviously Laporte, who we who we trust, but I think we'll talk about him later. You've got a 35-year-old central midfield, defensive midfielder, and, uh, you know, a young lad who's good but wants away. It was sell- presumably we're going to sell this summer. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think that was another thing that bothered people. Uh, you know, perhaps we should have a more ruthless attitude. If a guy says he doesn't want to stay, you know, bin him off. And, um, you know, yeah, you, you could certainly... I don't think Garcia particularly let himself down. The one or two moments where his inexperience, I think, showed. I would have been happy with a 4-4-2, to be honest. You know, with, with a back four, um, Rodri and Gundogan sat in front of them, perhaps. Sterling Jesus up front, Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo... Uh, you know, it's the central midfielders. But yeah, yeah no, I don't think anyone. Uh, the fact we had to play Garcia if we had a back three shows that the state we're in defensively. Yeah, um, Ray. A lot of people. Um, I, I learned a new word um, actually as I was watching Twitter in the in as the game drew closer, and it was um, Rodrigan, which is the combination of Rodri and Gundogan. So of course, said, uh, well, I think someone said the the win percentage when Rodri and Gundogan play together is about thirty nine or forty percent. They played last Friday against yeah. Real Madrid, and that was one of our best games. The best, as I said, that was one yeah. of the best games I've ever seen us play. So yeah. you can't, you know, You're if back. they've got the right people in front of them, then I, I don't have a problem with Rodri and Gundogan because Gundogan can come forward. I think Gundogan yeah. is a clever player, uh, and Pep likes him because. Uh, and I read an article somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It talks about Gundogan and, and David Silva. And it said the one thing they've got that Pep loves is that ability to stop for a second when they've got the ball and see what's going on around them. And, and Gundogan rarely gives the ball away. I, I'm an unashamed uh, Ilkay Gundogan fan. 
And as I say, they played together against Real Madrid. They were excellent. The win percentage, you know, may be slightly, maybe worse when they play together. But I think you've got, got to look at other factors. It's not the fact that it's them in the team. Because we've lost, uh, I was going to say, we've lost just over 20% of our games this season. So it's not just down to those two. You know, um, we've lost a, a whole heap of games this season, which actually is, is, is worrying in, in of itself to lose that many games. You know, I, I can't, off the, off the top of my head, can't remember how many we lost uh, last season, but it, well, I can work it out. Four league games and a game in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Five or six games. So we've lost double that. So I, I don't, um, I, I don't have um, any massive problems. I think Colin's right as well. It's what was going on around them, you know, uh, and what was in front of them. And there's another quote I'm, I'm going to put there. Pep talks about courage. And we, we saw in the Amazon uh, Prime video, he talks about courage. But, you know, last night, he actually, he lacked the courage himself. He lacked the courage to stick with the team that we've been generally putting others to the sword. Uh, and he did something different. And he lacked the courage for me to change it when you could see it wasn't working. His stubbornness which sometimes is a good trait. I mean, I would say stubbornness after the first season that he was here, he stuck to his guns and it produced a centurion season and then a formidable season by playing generally to, to his beliefs. But his stubbornness didn't allow him to change that formation after 20 minutes or 30 minutes when it, it was patently not working. I'm not asking to change personnel, but it cha- change it around. You could have changed that around and somehow gone to a 4-4-2 or 4-3-3 in, 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 a, in a better shape, you know, if that means pushing uh, Fernandinho into midfield and Gundogan forwards to be alongside uh, KDB or, or, or work something out or, or have play, or move to a false nine. There were lots of different options and he, he chose just to stick at it. And then, you know, in the second half, not to make any changes at half time and just to carry on in the same way. You know, that famous, was it the Einstein quote, if, if you're doing something again and again and it's not working, then obviously you're doing something wrong. You're not getting it right. So he'd lacked the courage and he just carried on being stubborn. And ultimately, I think that and a few other things cost us. Say in his defence that in the last 10, 15 minutes of that first half, we're actually on top of the game. So I, I think I understand why he didn't change it at half time. But I think even if we hadn't been on top of the game, he still would have waited 10 minutes to change it. So. <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, well, I had the uh, BBC Five live commentary on rather than listen to the overexcitable uh, Koreans. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was very interesting. You had Pat Nevin, who was the uh, one of the co-commentators. He was onto it like a shot. Said this isn't working. It should be changed. And commented about how slow and pedestrian City were. Of course, Leon had uh, the back five, you know, strung across there and weren't getting any joy. I think we probably should talk a little bit about the goal. And we mentioned before, Mister Corney and. Um, and he did it again, and um, it's, I guess you could probably blame Kyle Walker for playing him on side. There's a decent attempt at a tackle from Eric Garcia, but yeah, um, I, I thought it, I thought it was offside, genuinely did. But obviously, the VAR check didn't give us any uh, joy there. And um, talk us through a little bit about what you thought of their goal, Colin. Yeah, well, um, I, I watched this a few times, and, and and there's a few things you can you, you can say about it. I mean, again, this theory that every goal is a result of a defensive mistake, but uh, I think there were a number of mistakes in that goal. So it was um, a, a pretty straightforward long ball from the left hand side uh, by the touchline, and it and it found um, Toko Akambi, and he had a good he had a really good game actually. And he managed to get in front of Eric Garcia. Now, both Laporte and Garcia at that point had let their 
the attacker they were marking get in front of them. But Kyle Walker, who was obviously out on our right touchline, was slightly, uh, just allowed, played Toko Akambi onside. Just slightly. Bad discipline from Kyle Walker, because he actually went with Toko Akambi. He went with the guy he was marking and, and didn't keep his eye down the line. So, so that was kind of mistake number one. Laporte was nowhere. I, I don't know what Laporte was doing. Eric Garcia did really well to get back and put in a covering tackle. Kyle Walker, just, uh, it, was, it was Corne who Kyle Walker was marking. And Kyle Walker just watched him go and amble back behind him. It was just so poor. The defending was just so poor. So, so Corne was onto the ball. He was 10 yards in front of Kyle Walker, who had watched him go past. Uh, don't forget, Kyle Walker had played him on side was with him at that point when the ball went through. And by the time Garcia put his tackle in, Cal Walker was 10 yards behind Cornet. And that is so, so poor. He, he watched him and he lumbered back. You can look at Edison and think, what the hell was he doing? Because he was in no man's land and made no attempt to get down to save the shot um, and just stood there and watched it roll past him. It was a good finish. You, you can say, well, you know, what were Garcia and Laporte doing? What, what the hell was Cal Walker doing? And you could also ask what Edison was doing. And for me, that's a typical City goal where the whole thing falls apart in one second. Time and time and time again, with a player watching the player they're supposed to be marking get in front of them, not following up. And that goal, to me, summed up City's defensive issues in almost one, in, in five seconds. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pep says he famously said that he doesn't do tackles, but he obviously doesn't do defence uh, really either, Ray. Um, what did you think of it? And did, did you think Leon were, um, was that coming? Did you yeah. sense it was coming? This is what I've, I've got to do. This. <laughs> now, Mr. Corney, as his friends, his gelato loving friends call him Mr. Cornetto. I think we just need to buy him because he, when we played them last uh, a couple of years back, he scored two goals against us. Uh, and we, we need to do the right thing, just buy him so he can't uh, hassle us anymore. I've got to agree with, 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 uh, with Colin here uh, about Mr. Walker. I think he was the biggest problem. In, in, uh, uh, if, if you want to point fingers, you point the first finger at him for playing uh, the fella on side. Kyle Walker wasn't even looking to see where anybody was behind him. Imagine sometimes you see these corners coming in and a player's just got his eyes on the player and he's not looking at the corner. He's got his back to the ball coming in. He's just looking at the man in his market. And that was Kyle Walker. He had his back, you know, to, to the rest of the, the pitch. He had no idea where anybody was. Now, I don't know if, if Garcia in the pot were trying to play the offside uh, or not, but Kyle Walker had no idea. He was the last man. All he had to do was step up. And Feller in the middle would have been offside. He didn't do that. He was watching Maxwell Corney, and that's all uh, his focus was on. And if you're watching Maxwell Corney, and then I think Kyle was probably guilty of ball watching because the ball's come across in the middle, and Kyle's just walking back. At this point, during my watch along yesterday, I think I was screaming for Walker to run and chase because you don't give up, which is what he kind of thought, well, you know, they're 10 yards away from me. He's going to score or whatever. You bust a gut to get back because you want to be that man. Edison saves it and it rebounds. Or Garcia puts a tackle in and it comes back. You want to be the man clearing up. You want to be the man your teammates can rely on. And in that moment, Kyle Walker wasn't that man just walking back. I've got to be honest, I can't put it polite. It's disgusting. Laziness. Uh, switching off at the highest level. And Kyle Walker's had a pretty decent season. We've been singing his praises, but he has that knack of switching off. If, you know, you look back to the the Arsenal FA Cup semi-final. He switched off at the far post and he didn't know Aubameyang was there sneaking in and Aubameyang uh, scores. And, you know, you can't, I'm sorry, no matter how good we are going forwards and 
and, and, and Kyle Walker contributes massively to that and all his pace and his strength and his aggression switching off this two semi-finals oh well, so a quarter-final semi-final where he switched off and each time it's cost us a goal Edison I, I don't know how much blame you can put on his part you can say maybe he came out too much but he had to try and narrow the angle down and, and Corny did put you know it was a Roberto Carlos-esque the amount of bend, you know, he's bent it round Edison and then in at the post. I don't know if Edison could have saved that if he'd gone, whether he should have at least tried, whether he, he knew it, there was no point. I, I don't know. But for the effort Garcia, Garcia busted go up to get there and put in a wonderful tackle, which I guess a lot of people have forgotten about. But Kyle Walker, I'm sorry, you, you've got to bust a gut. You know, you can't leave it to your, your team. It's, it's up to you, part of a team. And at that moment, Kyle Walker wasn't playing his part of being a team. Yeah, indeed, uh, Ray. And um, I think for the people, uh, at least uh, the commentators on uh, BBC Five Live uh, that I was listening to, who were hoping, basically calling for Pep to, to, to change things, I think um, the moment came when they thought that that might happen because on the 29th minute, you had Fernandinho go in the book for tripping Auer, and then a few minutes later, he did it again. Same player, uh, Auer again. Of course, the Leon players were in the referee's ear about that and um, the guys on 5 Live were saying this is very early in the game and Fernandinho is not the kind of guy who's going to be able to go for another hour without you know putting in a similar kind of tackle and, and, and possibly getting sent off. But it didn't happen and also Colin, City did begin to play better after that first half hour, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, really, you knew when that Fernandinho got that yellow card in the second foul you knew he was going to have to come off sooner rather than later. Looking at my notes, I've got City coming, starting to come to life, really, on half an hour. You know, we started putting a few dangerous balls in. There was a free kick, and, and Kevin De Bruyne, who's got this, it was out wide, quite out wide on our left. And Kevin De Bruyne has now got this thing about going direct for goal from these corners and, and, and wide free kicks. But, it, you know, it was a decent free kick, but it wasn't anything difficult for Lopez to solve, but to, to save, but you got the feeling that the momentum was building. You know, if we'd had another five, ten minutes, if we'd done this ten minutes earlier, we might have gone in one all. I don't know. I've got a theory that if you go in one nil down, actually, in some way, it's better to go in one nil down and score early in the second half because then the team who are one nil up will say, "Carry on as you are." Because you know, score within five, ten minutes of the restart, then they've got to change things on the field rather than if you go in one all, the manager might say, might change things. Has fifteen minutes to change things around then. So the way we were playing, I wasn't too upset that we went in one nil down. But yeah, we were definitely on top. And really, just before half time, we had the best chance of the half. Gabriel Jesus, I think, who was just right on the eighteen yard line, played in Raheem Sterling on the right side of the area. Sterling did really well to turn his defender, and he pulled back the ball for Rodri. But uh, Rodri's shot was very, very weak. But even then, um, Lopez in, in the uh, Leon goal. He, he spilled it, but there was no one following up, unfortunately. A lovely little shake of the hips by uh, Raheem Sterling. And uh, that, I think the term is, sat Corne down. Um, yeah. it, 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 it was beautiful. And There were a couple of other chances just before mm-hmm. the whistle. Kevin De Bruyne played a ball right across the six-yard box, but um, Leon Defender just got to it, put it out for a corner. Then there was another Kevin De Bruyne ball from um, on the left-hand side to Raheem Sterling, who was on the right-hand side of the area. But I... I don't know. I mean, he really should have belted that one first time, probably, but he took a touch. And um, uh, I think Lopez and one of the Olympic Lyon defenders crowded him out and and got a touch on it. Mm -hmm. You know, he might have snatched it and put it anywhere, but he took a touch, but that touch took him 
Um, yes. and, and it was a great work by the defender. I'm not sure if it was Corney himself, actually. Corney again. Well, I, th- I think Corney, Corney got his studs to the ball. I think if he hadn't yeah. touched it, Sterling was, uh, it was just, just a side foot past the keeper from about six yards. But because he got the touch, I think it, it, it just deflected it enough for Sterling had, uh, to try, had to try and take, tr- control it. Uh, rather than hit it first time, and obviously once you control it, it gives that defender and the goalkeeper time to close you down. Uh, but you, you're right. We we were we were getting on top, so you had you had that hope, but you don't have the statistical hope. You know, someone. I mean, sometimes you don't know if these stats are true, but basically, City don't win when we're losing at our time. It's been a long time since that's happened. And then and I think someone else wrote. You said it's Leon were like Wolves. The game against Wolves, we should beat them, but as soon as they the score or as soon as they put five at the back and they hit us on the counter we fall mentality wise and physicality wise and you always I always felt there was that weakness uh, in us as well even though we we looked like we were the, the the team that was taking control and we did that in the second half as well but we were always susceptible to their counters you know they had they had that pace through the middle and uh, Husum Awa was get, was fouled several times by uh, I think Fernandinho did it Gundogan did it Probably Rodri did it just because he's so quick uh, nipping through the midfield, and and obviously the the guys up front had pace to burn. So uh, I was always concerned that you know they do us on the counter. They had that that ability as we were pressing that to, to to get back and hurt us. Well, Colin, it it did um, it did finish uh, at the end of the first half, one uh, nil. Uh, no no more joy there. And by this stage, the guys on the radio commentary were going absolutely bananas uh, because. Uh, now was the opportunity they felt very strongly for, for City to make a couple of changes, not necessarily even just one. Didn't happen. And we had to wait until, what, 10 or 11 minutes into the, um, into the second half before we got Mares coming on to replace uh, Fernandinho. And that, just that bit of uh, stubbornness by Pep was a very frustrating, was it not? You know, there's two ways you can look at this. As we said, we had a good last 15 minutes in that first half. Um, we looked like we could open Leon up because uh, they sat back after the goal. And I know we don't like playing against that 5-3-2 formation. We, we, you know, it happened against Arsenal who, or 5-4-1, whatever you want to call it. It happened against Arsenal and we struggled. It happened against Leon, But we seem to have, you know, I say that 15 to 10 or 15 minutes, we, we did really well. So I understand in one sense why Pep didn't change things. However, how many times have we got to half-time and, and said, he's going to change it, and then the same team trots out. Then five, ten minutes later, he does the change that everyone was expecting in the first place. So on the one hand, okay, we were doing okay in that first half towards the end. But on the other hand, Fernandinho, as we saw, Fernandinho was on a yellow card. He'd already got away with a couple of fouls. He should have been off at that point. He should have been off at half-time. Some legs introduced. And I, I was a bit surprised it was Mares in many ways. Because I would have expected someone who could perhaps be a little bit more, not like anything against Mares, but you know we know the way Mares plays. Someone like Foden, you know, if he takes Fernandinho off and brings Foden on, then basically we've got the same team that started against Real Madrid. We know what Foden brings. We hadn't. Another thing I noticed was we really hadn't been pressing in the way that we can do. Whether that was a change of formation. I do not know. What Foden brings is a bit of energy, a bit of pace, you know, a, a bit of a bit of hustle. And we know Bernardo's good at that as well, a good ball retention. And both of them can make things happen. And I know Mares can, but he's not that type of player. So I was a bit surprised it was Mares who was the first substitution. People saying it should have been David Silva. I don't I'm not sure David Silva was quite right for that game, but you know, could have been. I think I would have gone for Bernardo or or Phil Foden at that point. 
But yeah, so it took him, what, 10 minutes to change it. And I think we, we, we did look a little bit better for it. A couple of things. One about the substitutions. Now, you're allowed five substitutions uh, during the game. Allowed to stop the game three times to make those substitutions. But you can do it at half time because that doesn't stop the game. Didn't really didn't make use of those substitutions. And as Colin said, um, you know, half time was the right time, I think, because Fernandino could have come out, made a foul and been sent off in the second half. And, and that wouldn't have affected, you know, a substitution at halftime doesn't affect the three occasions you can make other substitutions. We didn't really use our subs very well. I didn't mind Mares coming on because what I thought he would bring us, which we didn't have, is someone who could take on uh, Corny. Um, because if Corner was going to have a problem, it's a, it, I, I thought it was going to be a, you know, one v one kind of situation out wide. Connie's good in the tackle. He's good going forwards. But I think Mahrez would make him really work. And I don't think he did that. Uh, putting, you know, some dangerous crosses coming, uh, coming in. So I, I did have a, a massive problem with that. And, and after Mahrez came on, I think we were, we were, we were on top and we were starting to play the way we know we can play because we were playing in a, in a normal sort of formation. And it's a, a real shame that we, we didn't play the full 90 minutes that way rather than just the last 35 minutes. Well, guys, we did get the equaliser on the 69th minute. And in fact, this was, um, this, this did seem something that was coming. In fact, just a minute before you had uh, KDB striding magnificently through the midfield, like Lothar Mateus of, of old and uh, getting his shot off that was, uh, uh, saved, but um, then we got the equaliser, and I think people thought, okay, we have suffered a lot, but um, we're going to go on to win this. Tell us about this goal, Colin. Yeah, well, um, Raheem Sterling out on the left hand side, and he did really well to create some space. I think he turned the defender, and it actually, was a brilliant ball in by. This um, was actually Mares that slid uh, Sterling away. Yeah, right. Well, it was a brilliant ball. So uh, I apologise to Riyad. And, <laughs> yes, um, so I've been averted, Colin. <laughs> yeah, I do apologise. I thought it was Cancelo, but um, it was a brilliant ball. Raheem, again, who to a certain point, I think had been one of our main dangers. And he really did well to create some space for himself. Pulled it back for Kevin De Bruyne, who was just behind the penalty spot in that sort of area. Kevin De Bruyne just slotted it home. And it was a little bit reminiscent of Sterling's goal, but a bit further out against Real Madrid. You know, the, the ball was pulled back to him. It was just that kind of angled shot into an empty net. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one all, 69 minutes. And I think, you know, because Leon hadn't played much competitive football, had they? I think the uh, Juventus game was the first game in about five months, wasn't it? Because the French mm-hmm. League was cancelled. That's right. So, so, co- so, my thought was, 70 minutes, they're going to tire. And, and I couldn't see any, I couldn't see any, could only see us winning it. From then on in, yeah. As as Ray said, they they did play the uh, the cup final, didn't they? Um, but the, our equal status lasted precisely nine minutes. And Leon, who do understand a little bit about how to um, avoid being offside, because you had um, our splitting our, our our high back line, the ball right down through the middle, and um, it can be who was the player that we mentioned earlier. He was actually in an offside position, but he left it. And that went through to Dembele. He nutmegged our Ederson ring. Well, I, I don't mind him nutmegging Ederson. I, that, to be honest, that wasn't the the main focus of the problems. Uh, you know, I think the discussion is what happened before he had his shot uh, against Ederson. I think we've got to talk about the the foul. I think it was whether it's accidental or not. I think uh, was it Dembele caught uh, Laporte's foot or his ankle. And even before that, I will I'll go back just a little bit. 
because Laporte made a pass, a horrendous pass. If that had been anybody else, almost anybody else, he he would have been absolutely obliterated on social media. If that had been Garcia, he'd have been blasted. If that had been Stones, he'd have been lambasted. If that had been Otamendi, he'd have been told to get out of our club. Laporte put an abysmal pass in, which uh, I, don't, I can't remember who it was to, but he cut that uh, player out. And then Laporte, had, he had Dembele uh, running past him and, and threw him. So it was a poor ball from Laporte. Uh, who didn't? I, I don't think had a good night. Then there was a foul by Dembele on on Laporte, bringing him down. Then this is this is an unusual thing. The guy opened his legs. In effect, it was like a dummy. He opened his legs, and I understand the words. To, uh, I forgot the right word, but I, I understand I when people say, "Sorry." Well, I, I wasn't even going to say that. I understand when people say you should play to the whistle, play to the whistle. But I'm sorry, it's only natural if the ball is played to somebody for you to think he's offside. If he's well offside, as soon as he opens his legs, he dummies the ball and he fools the players as well. And I, I'm, I'm sorry for me, as Colin said, the word is active. And I've got a question. And I think Colin last year's questioned or a couple of times the offside rule. You've got to question what that player did, because I think he affected the decision making of the opposition players by being offside and then opening his legs and dummying the ball. So for me, that was just, you know, besides it's a, a catalogue of. Of, of issues, the, the port pass, which was abysmal, the foul on the port, which should have been a free kick. There's no question about that because that directly led to him not being able to chase his man. He wouldn't have caught his man, by the way, but it, it, it stopped him at least having a chance. And then the guy dummying it, and it happened after that. <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember because it was all in those moments. And look, we, we've been here before. We don't want, obviously, we don't want to come across as bitter uh, about this, but the referees and the linesmen. And VAR have hurt us. Have hurt us badly for the last three years in the Champions League. The Liverpool game where we've had a perfectly good goal chalked off, an offside goal allowed to stand. You know, we could have been what three two or something in, in overall in the tide. That's pressure for Liverpool. The Spurs game with that most obvious of handballs from was it Lorente last season, which cost us again, uh, and then this one as well. So it's like. We have to play the VAR official as well and, and the referees. It's like the opposition have more men because of this. We've got to play against more. And it's, um, it's difficult to take. You know, obviously, if it goes for you, 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 you grasp it with open arms. But it's, it's really difficult to take when it was an obvious error. You know, he's been tripped up. Uh, and I really don't have an explanation. I mean, I'd argue that it wasn't a foul because it, it looked like they were just running and Laporte caught his leg. Caught his oh, they got tangled up in leg. But yeah. even if you take that aside, you know, we're talking about the offside law again. And I think we talked about it in the last pod. Ball hit the heel of the player who jumped over it. If you think back to that, I think we talked about this again in the last pod. That goal that, or, or not goal that wasn't given that the late Chiet Chiote scored for Newcastle against yeah. us, which was chalked off. And it was chalked off because there was a player in the way and he had to get out of the way and it was deemed that he was interfering with Hart's eye line, which seemed a bit nonsense to me. But to me, the rationale for that decision was if he has to move out the way to avoid the ball, or he's not touched it, but he's active. Because he's done something, he's not touched the ball, but he's done something to avoid it. That makes him active. If he's stood 10 yards away, fair enough. But the Newcastle player had to dodge out the way of the ball. And, and that was the same. And I think it caught, and the, the, I watched it on City Plus, and the, the, the City Plus commentator definitely had a look at it, and it caught his heel. And I think you can see it uh, deflected slightly. 
So to me, that was offside. But even even so, if he didn't touch it, he is active because he's got to move to get out the way of the ball. So to me, that renders him active automatically. The little bits of tinkering with the offside law and other laws, handball is another one, where, where you get you do these little bits of tinkering and you get so far away from the intent of the law that it becomes meaningless. Even if it wasn't a foul, and I'm dubious about it, it was offside. No, no question about it. What got me was um, they should have looked to see if he touched that ball. They could not have done that in the time available. Or, or they just didn't see it. So we were robbed there. I'm quite upset about it. At first, I thought, oh, well, you know, under under the current offside law, yeah, he's, you know, he's probably okay, but it's a nonsense. I'm sure he touched that ball. So it was an absolute, we were robbed. We thought that this was going to be the major talking point at the, uh, at, the well, at the conclusion of this game. It turned out something more, um, more chat-worthy happened a couple of minutes later. But just before that, um, we had uh, David Silva come on as a substitute. Did that substitution make a lot of sense to you? It was quite late, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, David's... this was, yeah, 85th. Didn't really give him a lot of time to, to do anything, which is a shame in his last, what turned out to be his last appearance for Man City. That was quite disappointing to, to leave him uh, so long. I think um, Simon Curtis uh, on on Twitter, at Bifana Bifana, he, he said it's the saddest swan song possible for David Silva, given seven minutes in an empty stadium to change a game that the manager had torpedoed three days ago when he chose the odd formation and tactics. What a way to go. And it was it was quite sad, you know. At least when he played in Manchester at the Etihad Stadium for his last game, it was it was a good game. It was a, it was a win. A few minutes he got there, you know. It, it was it was a more satisfying appearance, last appearance, even though there were no fans there. But this one really was. It was quite sad to to only get a few minutes when you know David Silver is a game controller and he can be a game changer. And I would have liked him. So at least I've been given a chance to do something. Well, what happened, uh, Colin, straight after that substitution, pretty much just a minute or two later, was what the Guardian have called one of the most astonishing misses in the history of football. Now, would you regard that statement as being hyperbolic or uh, is that pretty much spot on? Yes, it's spot on. I think, you know, leaving the Guardian, what we think of the Guardian aside, but uh, yes, it was absolute killer moment in the game, wasn't it? Because obviously, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne had, had done a, a fairly long forward pass, which wasn't really going anywhere. The uh, Leon defenders made a bit of a mess of it, Varane style. Gabriel Jesus managed to pick it up as he does so often. He missed a chance before um, before that second goal. He'd missed a, a yeah. decent-ish chance, which we hadn't mentioned. Uh, and I think he, you know, it took him a while to get into the game, but but again, it, it was you know the amount of work he got through when he didn't have much service, but he he. He rose to the occasion at that point, um, and he managed to beat a defender, the Leon defender. He was just on the, the right side of the six-yard box, and he squares it for Raheem Sterling at the far post, and, and the net is empty. And, you know, I just jumped out of my seat at that point. I think, well, that's a goal. And then suddenly the ball's not in the back of the net, and it's been ballooned over, and, and you could see um, Sterling was completely shattered by, by that. Yes, um, to all, and again, I said on Twitter, you know, the, the longer this game goes on, I, I didn't mind going to extra time. Obviously, it didn't help with, with potentially with a um, semi-final on Wednesday. But the, the longer this game goes on, the tired of Leon are going to get. So Sterling gets that goal. We're going to extra time. I think we win it. But we'll never know because he missed it. And how he missed it, I do not know. But it's not the first time he's done that. It's so hard, isn't it? Because, again, along with uh, him and Cancelo, 
had been really good down the, the left-hand side in the first half. And, and you feel so sorry for him because, I mean, 31 goals this season. And he tends to be better when he doesn't have time to think. Maybe he had too much time to think, but all he has to do is poke that ball into, the, into an empty net. And, of course, a minute later, Leon go down the other end and, and score. And, and again, it's a mistake. Ray might have something to say about the the missed effort before we move on to the yeah. final goal. It was it was a poor, poor, shocking miss. You could see it etched on his face afterwards. He couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe that. Uh, one of the studios, I think you had Micah Richards uh, and was it Jamie Carragher? No, you know, uh, Micah was uh, leaping out of his, uh, his seat to, to scream that it was a goal. Everybody expected it to be a goal. It was just incredible. Uh, it, it was an incredible miss, and it might take him a little while to get over it. I hope it doesn't. You know, it could haunt him for a very, very long time if he's not got that mental strength. And, and you know, but I, I think he, I think uh, he'll, he'll get over it by the start of the season. Uh, you know, I think that with his family and the club and everything else, because as I said, it's something that can haunt you for a very, very long time. The thing is, if that was a goalkeeper. Uh, who makes a mistake like that? You know that can finish your career at the top level. Uh, you can ask some of the, you know, Mister Carius, uh, for instance. But yeah, I, I've got to say that miss from Raheem Sterling actually will probably help Gabriel Jesus because I think Gabriel Jesus's miss, which wasn't as bad because it, it was a little bit more difficult, that was another one. That was a, that was a really poor miss. Uh, after Sterling's miss, within what thirty seconds, a minute. Uh, Leon go down the other end and score, and something's been li- labelled at Edison. He's not been great at shot stopping. He's awesome. He is at playing the ball around and being cool, whether short balls, long balls, um, you know, zip ones, slow ones. He is fantastic, uh, and he brings so much at the back. But he does have problems saving the ball. Basically, a, a weak shot came in and it bounced off him, and uh, Mr. Dembele was there to poke it home. Three-one uh, game over. Any chances of you know coming back in the five or six minutes of uh, additional time? Pretty much gone. The Uruguayan moments only come once in a lifetime. We've, we're having so many chances and we're not scoring uh, enough goals. And the expected goals, which is not something I really take a lot of uh, interest in, um, but the expected goals were were quite interesting. Man City expected goals was three point zero six, so we should have scored. Three, at least three goals, and Lyon was 0.83. So basically, Lyon's chances that they had in the game added up to 0.83 of a chance of, of a goal, and they've ended up with three goals from uh, very few opportunities. And we've had a lot more opportunities, a lot more clear-cut chances, and we walked away with one goal. So uh, once again, there's an issue with our clinical finishing, and, we, and we've scored 102 league goals this season. It's an, an incredible amount. We've scored probably the best part of 150 goals in all competitions this season. It's a tremendous number of goals in 59 uh, games that we played. But we are not clinical enough, especially when, when it really matters. When you're playing Watford and you're beating them 8-0 and you manage to score five goals out of five or six good opportunities in 17 minutes, it doesn't make you know, it make it any, any better because whether you win 1-0 or 5-0 or 8-0, it doesn't make a lot of difference. The games where it really, really matters, you can't make mistakes. And I'm sorry, we had two really good chances to score. Um, against Leon, the Gabby Jesus and, uh, and Raheem Sterling, and we didn't take those chances, and we just messed up at the back yet again. And the sooner that change, I don't know how you change it. I don't know how you make several players more clinical. Other players um, make few mistakes. I don't know how you do that, guys. That uh, third goal from Leon was such a sickener because um, at the time that it was scored. There were four minutes to go. We ended up getting five minutes extra time, total of nine minutes. And if that hadn't gone in, I would have quite fancied City equalising and 
I think we got um, one maybe decent crack at, an, at another goal when we had a free kick with De Bruyne. Really vicious shot, but the keeper was able to palm it over the, over the bar, as I remember. And uh, that was it, guys. It's all over with. It's all over. Uh, Colin, despite the all of the, the errors that uh, Ray mentioned, the lack of a clinical edge, maybe a mentality issue as well. Pep did say, obviously, of course, that the reason why Real Madrid and uh, Barcelona and teams like this have done so well in this competition is because they are effing believers, uh, I think was his quote. City don't seem to be uh, believers. Of course, after the game, everyone and his dog was talking about Pep's contribution to this loss. Do you agree with people who would say that he he basically should take the lion's share of it or are you more circumspect i think we all agree that top you know we're one of the top teams in europe uh, let's be honest and, and you wouldn't find any other team that changed its approach so dramatically to cope with as someone said the french government of burnley you know, uh, mm-hmm. seventh in league one i don't want to be disrespectful to to leon they are a very good they've got some very good players really garcia sets them up really well and we know what they can we've never beaten them have we but let's be honest um uh, the, the best result we got was a, a draw at, at their place in the group stages. So, so I don't want to be disrespectful to Leon, but why would you suddenly... Ch- and apparently did it three days beforehand. So um, it wasn't something he planned from the moment we beat Madrid. It was something he did, I don't know, Wednesday or something. Got where we got by playing the way we play. I know it sounds a bit stupid, but, you know, all right, you know, we know what Leon can do, but you have to take... You have to play to your strengths. And I, I said this earlier. In in trying to negate Leon in the fir- in that first half, first sixty minutes or fifty five minutes, Pep negated us. Although we were getting into the game when the hard time whistle went. So yes, um, some of that blame I put on Pep because we've seen it time and time again. Haven't we saw it against four seasons running now? We went to Monaco. We underestimated Mon- Monaco at our place, but we got to their place with a two goal lead from the five three win. And then we, we were very slack in that. We were very naive, very open. Pep thought he'd learned a lesson. We went to Anfield and he, he played this weird system with Gundogan as an old-fashioned right half, which was a complete failure. And yes, again, we got perhaps we got robbed in that game by VAR because I think that if VAR had been in operation in that game, they probably would have been switched off with it being Anfield. <laughs> um, we'd have come away with that probably with a 2-1, a 2-0 draw. You don't know, of course, but uh, and th- and then of course in the second leg there's that goal disallowed on at half time when we're one nil up. So, you know, uh, all right, you know we could have rescued that one, but poor refereeing decisions got in the way. And then perhaps you think he's learnt his lesson. The next season we go to Spurs, and he set up very pragmatically at Spurs. We were much more defensive and negative than we ever had been. And of course Aguero misses a penalty. You know, if we come away, if we come away with there with a one nil or even a one all. That second leg looks very different. Of course, we know what happened in that second leg. So, so yes, I mean, again, you've tried something in, in, in the uh, quarterfinal which took away some of our strengths and showed a little bit too much respect to the opposition, as good as they were. So, yes, it's on Pep. But then, as the old cliche goes, once the players cross that white line and the whistle goes, it's all on them. You know, we looked at that first goal. We saw Walker made a mistake. Uh, well, two mistakes by playing Leon onside and then failing to track Cornet. Perhaps Edison could have done better. Perhaps Garcia and Laporte could have done a bit better in that situation. One thing that didn't get mentioned in that second goal was that when the ball, when Laporte gives away possession, we've got nine of our ten outfield players are at that point in um, Leon's half. There is only Garcia in our half inside the centre circle. 
He's got a man facing him. I think it was Dembele, wasn't it? No, Dembele was with Laporte, I think. Yeah, I, it must have been. That's right. Yes, it was. Rio Ferdinand mentioned this, so you know, Rio Ferdinand is a you know was a world class defender. Curse him. But you know, he knew what he was up to defensively, and he pointed out that Garcia had actually moved in when the ball was lost. Instead of going back and, and, and positioning himself, Garcia got sucked in. And he's going forward. Player is marking. Is is going ahead of him. So he left that huge gap. All right. It was it was asking a lot for him to cover that gap behind. But he could have been positioned. He could have seen that danger and moved, gone. He should have gone backwards instead of forward. He was partly responsible for leaving that gap in behind. So, but he's inexperienced. You kind of expect that. Again, you know, Edison possibly could have done a bit better for that goal. The third goal is all on Edison. There's no doubt about that. It was very poor. It wasn't a great shot. He should have easily smothered it. So it's all about mistakes. It's all about the guys who are on the field. And so let's say it's 50-50. I think most people saw the issues with the starting lineup, but we were at a point in that first half where we were getting on top. We didn't start the second half too badly, but we weren't really penetrating. We had a lot of possession, not a great deal of penetration. But up to then, it was okay. You know, we were still in that game. And individual mistakes cost us ultimately when things were changed around. You know, we were one all. Every opportunity of winning that game and then mistakes cost them. Individual mistakes and collective mistakes as a defensive unit and, and Ederson's mistake cost us the game. So 50-50. I've got my last piece of music for you guys now. <laughs> it's my turn to be the quiz master. Uh, and it's not just a mistake by, uh, was it Men at Work? I won't, I won't ask you to guess what the music is. I will let you listen. Yo, I don't think we should talk about oh, this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say, you know? That's a part of life, bitch. Come on. baby. You and me. Let's talk about that. Well, <laughs> try to get over the, the rude word there, uh, some of your younger listeners. But we've got to talk about pet. We've got to talk about the good and the bad, you know. And there's a, there was a lot of people on social media, uh, as usual, all, all the experts uh, and uh, the pundits uh, out there. But you know, there are things that, that you have to look at Pep, but why he keeps doing uh, as Colin has gone through every game in, in when it when it gets down to the nitty gritty he's he's changing things around um which you can say ultimately it, it's part of what cost us because we could have won that game still even with what we did this the game against Spurs last season if Agu- I, I I've always said if Aguero scores that penalty we win the tie that's how confident I was um watching that game uh, with a, with a setup because I don't I mean Spurs got a goal from was it a Delft mistake, and that was it. They, they weren't, you know, pummeling us or anything. Um, and and Pep's tactics could, you know, were working. If Aguero scores, Pep, Pep tactics, you'd have said they were they were fine. Uh, and and it, and it's this very very fine line, very very fine line. Pep treads. Now we don't know if it's genius or it's luck, you know. But when he gets it right, like he did against Madrid, or like he did against. Um, Man United at their place in the Carabao Cup uh, semi-final first leg. You know, when he gets it right, he's a genius. And when he gets it wrong, he's a fraud. But, but he's got it right far more than he's got it wrong. It's Absolutely. Just he's got it wrong when it most matters. Well, the thing is, well, yeah, he's got it wrong when it's m- the most matters. And he's got it wrong a lot this season. We've lost 12 out of 59 games this season. That's just over 20%. Last season, uh, our, our losses were... Uh, 
about 10%. So he's doubled our losses in one, uh, percentage of losses in one season. And a lot of them are very, very similar. I, I said earlier, um, after the restart, if we go, go behind, we don't win the game. And I don't think we've won any game where we've gone behind since the restart. You know, that includes uh, Chelsea, where we did get back to one all. We should have scored uh, when Raheem Sterling uh, had a chance to pass to, I think, Gabby J. Uh, instead, he chose to shoot. We hit the post uh, instead of uh, laying it off to Gabby J for tapping. You know, we, we let a goal in against Southampton, never got back. Arsenal in the uh, FA Cup semi-final, let the goal in, never got back. So I don't, I can't remember any game since the restart where we've gone behind and we've come back to win the game. And, and that's, that's a huge problem because as soon as the team goes to 5-3-2 or sometimes I've seen it 6-6 six, six at the back, we really, really struggle. We've got to have that plan B that everybody's asking for. We've got to have it. And when you see us hitting long balls, you know, high balls into the box, why do we do it when, you know, Gabby J, you know, bless him, how tall is he? What, five foot ten? You know, Raheem Sterling is about five foot seven, five foot eight. Sergio Aguero, when he's there, is five foot nine. So, you know, Bernardo Silva, David Silva, they're not uh, the tallest of players. And we've not really got, a, in, in our attacking sense, anybody who's, you think, yes, he's really good. And yet, Raheem, Riyad Mahrez, no chance. So why do we keep doing it? So making the same mistakes again and again, obviously, uh, as Costas. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Guardiola apparently said in, in, in um, for Sky uh, in Germany, he said, we lost, so my plan didn't work. Knowing that we don't have fast centrals, we didn't want to go toe-to-toe with their forwards. We ended up failing in both areas. It was a mistake and we have to accept it. But the thing is, these mistakes every season, you know, you've got to um, question it. And, you know, you've got to question it. I mean, I, I think Guillaume Balaghi said you know, it, it could have been so. It could have been so different. You know, as I said, Pep's, you know, uh, Gabby J scores that goal, or Raheem gets the equaliser, and we win the game. Pep's once again a genius because you'll turn around and say, "Okay, it started off wrong, but Pep changed it up. The substitutions worked. What a genius he is!" So it is these fine margins that he treads on, but with the resources behind us, with the players we've got, with the bench we've got. It shouldn't be fine margins. I don't think against, you know, with all uh, due respect to Leon, we shouldn't be looking at the fine margins against teams like Leon. It should be clear cut, like the expected goal says three one uh, to City. It should be a clear cut victory, and that's that's disappointing that it's just happening again and again and again. Yeah, my theory about Pep, sorry to pick up on what Ray said, is I mean, I, I want him to stay because we've seen far more good than we have bad. Yeah. Albeit the bad tends to be at the a bad time. My theory is, is there someone, is the problem that doesn't have someone who's like his devil's advocate? The meaning of the term devil's advocate is literally from the, the uh, Middle Ages where the, the Catholic Church was considering sainthood. They would point a panel where one person specifically had to find reasons why they shouldn't give the sainthood. Uh, and that's the meaning of the term devil's advocate. And I wonder if it's just a little bit too much. Yes, man. Nodding dog syndrome, group thing, whatever you want to call it. Pep perhaps needs Chiggy Bagiri Stan or his, his assistant, uh, Lilo Lil, whatever his name is, to challenge him a bit more. We, we, obviously, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but we've heard that Pep likes players who, who say yes, who don't challenge him, who don't question him uh, and do as they're told. Which I can understand in one sense, but you do wonder if there's perhaps... I, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in the dressing room yesterday, but you do wonder whether there's a perhaps Pep would benefit from someone challenging him a little bit more. Someone like Chiki Bagheristan, who he's known for many, many years. And, and I say we don't we don't know what goes on, but maybe that would help in some way. You know, someone to be his devil's advocate. 
Mm-hmm. That's not one of the notes I made uh, quite early on. We need a strong voice to tell Pep he's doing something wrong or to question him. I like Colin says to challenge him because if everybody's just nodding their heads in agreement, uh, to be honest, it's Pep Guardiola who wants to stand up to him. And it has to be somebody who uh, he trusts, uh, possibly like uh, Colin said, cheeky, someone who he trusts and has a long friendship with, uh, which won't go sour if you question him. Uh, like it could happen with, uh, with, with an assistant manager. I think the, ge- the guy's name is Lilo, uh, Juan Manuel Lilo. Uh, although it comes up, uh, uh, an, an, odd, an odd scenario of Lilo Lil, uh, on the, uh, on the bench at City with, with the managers. But Pep has to have that challenge. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, conjecture, a lot of chat about Pep over the next few weeks. But if you think about it, because we're so late into the year already, the season's finishing so late. It's not long before Pep's contract's finished. We're talking 10 months, only 10 months. And I think we need to know what Pep's going to do. I hope we're going to find out very, very soon. We need to know if he's going to sign his new contracts or leave. Well, guys, uh, just to answer a few questions, you you may have the song that uh, Ray played uh, earlier was by Salt and Pepper. Mm-hmm. Salt and Pepper, a duo from 1990. And uh, when he was, when Colin and Ray were talking about Lilo Lil, that is a character from the British TV sitcom Bread. You can check all of that stuff out on uh, on Google, as uh, as I think you some of you might do. But anyway, guys, that's our uh, review pod. Couple of interesting and and maybe slightly positive notes that we could. I don't think we've really got time to talk about, but of course, it is worth mentioning that. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne finally got justice by being named the Premier League Player of the Season. Of course, you might know that he finished off with the highest number of goal contributions in 16 goals, 22 assists, so that was thoroughly deserved. Another shout-out for Bernardo Silva, guys, <laughs> because he's, he's, he's been at it again, hasn't he? And this time, he came out with a tweet branding Liverpool supporters who'd got on his timeline as pathetic. So he continues to, um, to say all the right things, Bernardo. All, all we need from him is to recapture his form of um you know 12 months ago but um one interesting thing that i think we could finish off on and which the guys might want to comment on was a report in the daily mirror i don't know how much you want to put into this but i think it is sourced lionel messi tells barcelona that he wants to leave immediately after crisis talks i can't imagine any other team that he would go to slight possibility colin maybe Possibly. Well, well, there's a story there because just after we yeah. lost to Wigan in 2013, and uh, which was a fairly miserable few days, and uh, I got a, a message from France to tell me that um, our friend Nasser Al Khalifi had been interviewed, obviously chair, uh, president of PSG, but by a French journalist, and he, he'd been asked specifically about, are you going to go ask after Messi? And Al Khalifi said, "Oh no," he said. Um, City have got first dibs on him. Wow. There's a little bit, there's a little bit of digging on this, and, and apparently we um, there was some talk of him leaving Barcelona. We put together a package, which uh, and we, we got agreement from his his father. Is it Jorge? We could have first refusal if he ever left Barcelona. Of course, that was seven years ago. He's now 33. There's obviously Barcelona's fairly dramatic exit of Bayern Munich's hands, who completely put them to the sword. One of the familiar crises they seem to have there these days, since Pep left them, is now everyone's getting at the, the President Bartomeu, who, who's up for election, I think, next year. Re-election, because, of course, many of the Spanish clubs have a um, supporter own model. Presidents are elected. So, um, 
it looks serious this time. They've always said people are questioning the finances of this deal. What I was told was Messi basically pays for himself. Now, now the question is, can he leave for a free at the end of this season? Is his release clause 700 million euros? If it's a free, then it's a no-brainer, I'm afraid. Uh, you know, we, we've got to have him. You know, I think we're talking about, so I said, a million euros a week in wages. So that's 50 million pounds a year, something like that. Sorry? He's on more than that. I think he's on. I think Griezmann's on about forty-five million a year. Messi about seventy. If the numbers from um, one of the articles I read recently are well, to be yeah. trusted. What I believe is because this is the way Rooney's deal were. Because Rooney obviously signed a new contract at United in two thousand and ten when he threatened a, uh, a transfer which he never was never going to happen. Uh, that was a whole con job to to get a wage rise. But he basically doubled his. Salary from 90k a week to 180k a week. And then there was all this talk of him getting 300, 300, 350k a week. But what that was, he was still on the same basic deal. But he then got a cut of any commercial agreements that United did. They could specify that, with United's permission, they could specify that Rudy be the face of whatever, you know, noodle manufacturer, tractor manufacturer, pog roll producer. That they that there was you know, paying them a few quid, and Rooney would get fifty percent of that if he was the face of the campaign. He could quite conceivably, um, it wasn't allowed to interfere with his football, but he could quite conceivably have made that three hundred, three hundred and fifty k a week. But half of that was on commercial deals, not money being paid out United's pocket. You know, dead money if, if you like wages. I suspect with Messi, a lot of that's the same. I would reckon he, he was probably actual wages is half that. So let, let's say 400,000, 450,000 euros a week. So that's what, 20 million a year. Now, now you make that back in commercial deals. There's no doubt about that. 20 million a year, you make that back in commercial deals. You get all the commercial deals that come with him that he gets a cut of. So I don't think it's a huge financial, there's a huge financial implication there because the implication of having the world, simply the world's best player wearing your shirt, Puma would pay us double. We, we certainly wouldn't be struggling for a sponsor to take over shirt naming from Etihad, that's for sure. So, yes, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it will happen. People are asking where would he play? Well, we've just lost David Where's Silva. <laughs> I don't know. You know, can you imagine him and Kevin De Bruyne behind the uh, front three? I mean, it's devastating. Or him as a false nine, Messi as a false nine, or... Uh, um, you know, playing in that in that role that Gundogan plays, you can't say no to Messi, can you? Even even if it's just for a couple of years, to see him in a City shirt would be absolutely awesome. The thing I, I've got to say, what's Messi got at Barcelona now? He's got an aging team. Was it was it five players that are, uh, 32, 33 years old? Someone yep. at thirty one. They they really are uh, going downhill. Suarez is thirty four. He's not fast. It. Look at their bench. I mean, it's, look, it's amazing. You had Griezmann on the bench. He's about 120 million. They had, was it Dembele on the bench as well? Yeah. He's about 125 because I think his values, they've had to pay a bit more money. And they got uh, on, on, on Bayern Munich. They've got another one of their players, which is Coutinho, <laughs> whose value is going up and up. You know, it, it's crazy. And they, they've got this loan coming from, was it Goldman Sachs, 800 million euros. They're in an absolute state. And my only question is, does Messi want to spend the last two or three years of his career? Playing crappy football, not likely to win anything, being humiliated when you get to the latter stages in Europe, you know, and getting beat by Real Madrid for the title. Does he want to spend the last two or three years of his career doing that? I'm not so sure. He loves Barcelona, everything else about it. He's been there for what twenty years uh, in the city, and it, it's mo- that's basically most of his life since he was twelve or thirteen years old. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his motivations are. What is you know? Do you want to win you know, stuff? 
Or do he you always, wanna... He's always wanted to play under Sean Dyche, I think. We well, can... that's it. That's it, you know. No, who doesn't? No, we, we, we joke about playing on a wet, wet Tuesday night in Stoke, uh, but one of those guys who did play on a wet Tuesday night in Stoke is now it's in the, the Champions final. League final. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. uh, but no, no, look, look, Colin's right. If Messi's available, you take, you take Messi. You, you, you can't say no. You cannot say no to that. Even though you can argue he's not as good as he was five or six years ago, I think he's still he's Messi not being as good as he was five or six years ago. He's still uh, at thirty three. Uh, he's not past it. I mean, we see what Ronaldo's still putting in the numbers yeah. at, what, 35 years old. Uh, and Messi, for for an old guy, he's only just turned 33. Uh, I mean, look at David Silva. How old was David Silva? He was 34. He was still uh, good enough. Messi's still putting fantastic numbers in. And you can argue, you know, some of it's against Dross in the in La Liga. But, hey, we've got some Dross, you can argue, in the, in, in the Premier League. And I've got no problem with Messi putting the Dross-like, um, you know, Norwich away. If we put them to the sod, he's got um, he's got twenty five goals this season in thirty three appearances. Uh, last season he scored thirty six. Before that, thirty four, thirty seven. He's got some you know, good numbers. Uh, uh, this season it's dropped off a bit. But with our forward line, you know, I I, I guarantee. Oh, here's here's something I I can't prove. But if he'd had four or five free kicks last night, like KDB did, Messi would have scored one of them. No doubt about it in my mind. Well, guys, it is, it is with it is with thoughts like this that we comfort ourselves. This is <laughs> not uh, this is not the last that you're going to hear from Bolt from from the blue um, uh, concerning all things Man City because uh, we have um, the uh, much talked about final um, episode in the Franny Lee years history pod that we have been telling you that we were going to we were going to be finishing probably. Uh, close to a year ago but we will get that done and of course um if i have my way i'll get the two guys and um and possibly emily yeah possibly emily as well to talk about any uh, transfer updates that are coming but um i've enjoyed this uh, pod uh, thoroughly i hope you have too and uh, we'll be back with you in not such a long time but before we go let's just uh, express our gratitude and say farewell for the time being to our two great contributors to Bolt from the Blue. The first one that you've been listening to is Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much for coming on. Well, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. It's a shame we're not looking forward to a another couple of pods after a Champions League semi-final and potentially a final, but, you know, there's always next season. I'm Franny Lee Part 3. Absolutely. And you have also we'll probably been... won the Champions League by the time we win <laughs> probably part three matches. <laughs> <laughs> and just a quick uh, word of congratulations to uh, Colin Savage, because if you look on uh, SoundCloud, I'll put up another link to it. But Colin's uh, the pod that we did with Colin on Cass has now reached um, uh, over 1300 uh, plays. Ooh, and it, it, was, uh, it was only a thousand just um, a couple of days ago. So that's uh, that's going really, really strong. So guys. <laughs> yeah, so um, guys, um, check that out. Um, but uh, you've also been li- listening to Ray from City Fan TV, and uh, here's his final thoughts. It's going to be a little bit quieter over the, the summer, obviously, as, as uh, Micah said. We will do some pods on transfer uh, talk and Franny Lee talk. But for all you fans out there, uh, this is ha- my, my feelings for the summer. So I will miss you guys over the summer. So, you know, roll on whatever it is for City about the 20th of September. 
Uh, it's only a month away, but it's going to be a long... I don't know. I, I, so part of me feels like we need a break. We need a break from football. It's been a long old season, um, but it'll roll on very, very quickly. So I just hope we get the transfers in, get what we need, and uh, another five foot seven diminutive Argentinian come, walks That's into... Hard. Yeah, <laughs> going to happen. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to the Bolt from the Blue a podcast. Let's finish off in the normal way. And that's when we say to you, relax, enjoy the transfer rumors, gossip and speculation. Have one on us and up the blues. <laughs> <laughs>